Get started again. I mentioned earlier that we're heading into the holiday season, and it's a mixed bag for everybody. And so I wanted to discuss some things. Um, we're taking a break from Matthew again, but I'm going to. I'm going to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, go through a series of most likely single verses, and they may be pulled out of context, but I'm thinking that the thread is going to be consistent through these things. All right. Uh, so. At the end of October, uh, Simon got up and he, he talked through uh, a passage in Matthew 4, and he talked about how Jesus is the gospel. I thought it was very good that he's the answer. He's the one that allows us to have all this opportunity, one, to be saved, but two, to enter in to so much more that God has to offer for us. All right? So I want to start out in that uh, chapter, reading a couple verses there. Uh, Matthew 4, verse chap, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, all these references are going to come from the ESV, just to let you know. It says uh, that from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, just a little bit there. From that time, uh, earlier, it was stated that when they found out that John the Baptist was arrested from that time. And notice here that Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which is the same message that John the Baptist was preaching. I think you can find that in Matthew 3. The next verse, uh, Matthew 4, verse 23. And he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So what I want to point out here is uh, the kingdom of heaven and the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus is preaching. It's almost like this is the focus that he's trying to, to get into. And I think, uh, just as an aside, as we continue on through Matthew, I think we'll see that Jesus, that the author, Matthew, and Jesus, will, he will describe the kingdom. He will contrast the kingdom with another kingdom that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And he's going to demonstrate the kingdom. So that's just an aside. Maybe tuck that away for future uh, messages. Um, so what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? How can it be described? What are some of its attributes? Uh, I want to I say that personally I think that Jesus is hearkening back to the beginning, to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, where there's a kingdom that's introduced. And we look at some of these things, uh, if we maybe give some attributes of this, kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, that's another thing. Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven. Other gospels, they mention the kingdom of God. I'm going to consider that they're the same thing. They're, I think there's a debate out there as to maybe the scope of what these things are, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. I'm going to use them interchangeably. I'm, I'm thinking that Matthew, he's a Jewish author. He's writing to a Jewish audience. Therefore, he would not say the kingdom of God because if he did that, the Jewish audience would be very offended because that's a, a word that you just don't say. All right? So I'll let you guys wrestle with that. Um, 
So some of the some of the king the attributes of the kingdom we find in Genesis one are it's a kingdom of shalom, a kingdom of peace, or a kingdom of peace, a, a kingdom of rest. Again, the seventh day, God rested, and there's no there was evening and morning the seventh day. It's almost like this seventh day is supposed to continue on. We talked about this a while ago. Um, it's a kingdom of abundance. You think of all the things that sprouted up, all the things that were created during those, that first, we'll call it the week. Um, it's a kingdom of trust. He created this, it's good. Creation trusted in him to carry this out. It's a kingdom of completeness. He saw all the works that he had done and he rested. He called them good and he rested. A completeness that is not completely perfect. It's complete, but it can go somewhere. It can grow, it can expand, right? Uh, also, it's a, it's a kingdom of love. God is love. He's right in the middle of it. It's a kingdom as well that we are valued for who we are. He spent a lot of time in Genesis 1 talking about how man was created. Crowning achievement, I think. So these are some of the, uh, I would say, kingdom attributes. We're going to get back to that a little bit, but now I want to introduce the second kingdom that we see in Genesis 3 and Genesis 4. And I've heard it called the kingdom of empire. So if we contrast this kingdom with the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of shalom, peace, kingdom of God, we see that instead of peace, there is fear. And instead of rest and abundance, there is increased pain, there is sweat of the brow, and there is thorns and thistles. We also find that there's mistrust, there's contention, there's incompleteness or a falling short in where we we experience a great need to be accepted, a great need to know love. That's been taken away. Uh, and we also, we also start to realize or to think, maybe that gets into the core of our being, that our value is more based on how we perform. You think of Cain and Abel in that situation. God comes and invites him, I think, Cain to trust, but I think he still relied on his performance. And it led to disastrous consequences. But um, So, jumping back to the kingdom of heaven, I want to move forward to Romans 14, verse 17. There's a few other attributes here. Paul writes, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to stop here. Question. Do you, and I'm counting myself in this because I'm, all right, when I say that, do you believe that we can experience the attributes of the kingdom of heaven on a consistent, substantial basis this side of eternity? I hear an echo of John 10, 10. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I think that this abundance, this peace and this joy, not necessarily the material abundance, but, the, but 
the abundance of mind, soul, and body, I think is what's uh, being focused on here. So one, uh, one final attribute that I want to bring about the kingdom of heaven, and this is by no means a complete list, but I want to touch on that it is a relational kingdom. Genesis 1, verse 26, the first part of it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So highlighting two words there, us and our, our. <laughs> uh, Jesus, or God was speaking to somebody when he said that. He was in relationship. He was in perfect relationship at the time. And we generally attribute that to Holy Spirit and Jesus. But just to, to know that it's, just to call that out, to highlight that. I recently was reading a book that I ran across two sentences right in a row that gave me pause because I had kind of known this, but the sentence is that the author writes, at our core, we are relational beings. The areas in our brain that govern character, emotions, and identity are all relational. Because of these, these two sentences kind of shook me because um, the first sentence caused me to despair because I realized that I've, I've known this for quite a while but it kind of confronted me with it that I spend most of my life not relating either not knowing how to relate or not wanting to relate and this is supposed to be the very core of who I am a relational being right the second part, the second sentence, kind of gave me some hope because I started to realize that the mind, my mind can be retrained, can be trained to, to stop thinking this way and to start thinking this way and to move in that direction. And it's going to take a lot of uh, practice. It can be trained to become more relational. All right? So there, there are 168 hours in a week and if I assume, if I'm generous and assume that everybody gets eight hours of sleep a night and it's restful sleep, that gets us down to 112 hours where we're awake. Question. If you had to guess, how many of those 112 hours would you say you experience the attributes of the kingdom of heaven on a consistent, substantial basis. Question. This is an easy answer. What kingdom are you experiencing when you're not experiencing the kingdom of heaven? I only talked about two kingdoms, so. Question. What do you do when you are experiencing the attributes of the kingdom of empire. Do you resort to things like binge watching, raiding the pantry or the refrigerator, chocolate, alcohol, or worse, fantasizing, pornography, scrolling the phone to check out what other people are doing, Games, checking out in general, sleeping, arguing to prove that I am right so my life can be easier or better, 
work, projects. Some of these things are all right on their own. But the problem is, with these activities, is that they do not address the problem. The problem is that we're in the kingdom of empire. We're kind of acting on that. We're sinking towards that. We're moving towards that when we should be in the kingdom of heaven. I, I think the question that I asked about um, do you think we, sh- we can consistently experience this kingdom of heaven, I think that the answer is yes. Um, so it's going to take quite a while for me to get there, but I think it's yes. So what can we do um, if we're recognizing we're getting into this kingdom of empire, how can we get back to experiencing the kingdom of heaven? Um, that's another question. What do you think? So our minds, you think about this, we have been born into this kingdom of empire and our minds are trained through what we experience or from what we experience. Not necessarily all the training occurs that way. So we're raised we're trained in the kingdom based on the kingdom of empire. And if we're raised that way, we're going to have a hard time experiencing the kingdom of heaven. So we need to be diligent to train ourselves to experience the kingdom of heaven. I think that this is, might be the biggest battle that we experience personally. Do we really trust in the kingdom of heaven to the point where we're experiencing it from the core of our being deeply. Because it's very easy, what we've raised up in, to fall into that. Do we even recognize when we're going from this to this? Have we had a taste of this, you know? I know that I'd really like more taste of this, the kingdom of heaven. So being diligent to train ourselves, Romans 12, verse 2, and we're getting close here, and Jill's going to be up here shortly. We read, Paul again writes, do not be conformed to this world. And I'll rephrase that. Do not be conformed to the kingdom of empire. But be transformed, where am I? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now focus on testing here. Our life is going to be full of testing. That testing uh, has the opportunity to make us or break us. Testing so that you may discern what is the will of God. And I would put forth that the part of the will of God is that he would have us experience the kingdom of heaven on a consistent, substantial basis. All right? So that we will know what is true and acceptable and good, perfect. I think that as we, maybe as we get better at experiencing the kingdom of heaven, we're going to exhibit that more and our light is going to shine brighter. All right, so this... um, This is where I want to say Thanksgiving comes into play, but not necessarily the holiday. It's a cultivating a practice of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can be used as a way uh, to help us get back from the kingdom of empire closer to the kingdom of heaven or into the kingdom of heaven. It can also be used 
to keep us in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not talking about, I mean, when we first start, it might be when we, we say, hey, I'm in the wrong spot here. I need to get back here. Forget about how I got here. I need to get back, okay? Can, let's say we try thankfulness and it feels rigid. It feels wooden in what we're doing, you know, but maybe stick at it until something, ooh, something warms up, something thaws, okay? Again, I think mind, soul, and body, a complete thing. Because when your body's relaxed, you're more at ease, you know? Right? So things like remembering what the Lord has done in our lives and a plug for journaling, which I don't do too much, but if you've written down how the Lord has brought you through a bunch of trials, he's not going to stop. He's not going to quit. Even things like recalling fond memories or experiences of experiences or people. It's attempting to get our mind to think a different way. All right, so with that, so, so these are, there's a couple of techniques that I've said. The first thing, at the beginning, we did that little breathing exercise. That's like a physical way to try to calm down your body and to get you maybe help you to focus, help, help us to focus back on the kingdom of heaven. The second thing would be thanksgiving, cultivating that as well. So Jill's going to come up and share some more. So I wanted to talk about um, our minds and how we think and getting to that place of thanksgiving. And um, I'm going to actually start with John 16, verse 33. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then Jesus prayed for himself, for his disciples, and for us. So I feel like Jesus models for us how to deal with hard times. He was in a really really difficult time, the worst for him, a difficult situation, and he modeled how to pray during that time. So sometimes in the midst of going through tough things, we don't feel very thankful, but we have a choice. I love how that song talked about, um, you know, God gives and takes away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We do have a choice. Um, that we can focus on God and what he's doing in our lives. So I just wanted to share some tools, some things that are helpful for me um, to go from the means of um, that mess in our heads to uh, sometimes it's self-pity, whatever it is in our heads, you know, to that prayer and then to praise, which leads to thanksgiving and to get us ready for this season and Thanksgiving this week. So, so first, those words from Jesus, in this world you will have trouble. Don't be surprised when trouble comes. Sometimes we are like, what are you doing, God? And, you know, this world has troubles, and we will experience them. So don't be surprised. Have the correct expectations and bring those to God. And then this remembering, Dennis t- talked about that a little bit, Um, Remember, Emmanuel, God with us, is very comforting to me. Um, Remember what God has done and is doing. God is bigger than all our problems, all our circumstances. Um, We can have a thankful heart. 
And remember God's timing. Um, I just chuckle at God's timing in so many ways in my life, how things happen the exact same time. And I know it's of God. Um, We've had, in my family, um, both of my parents, when they died 10, 11 years ago, the timing was unbelievable. Um, So it just helps me to remember that and how God worked through that really tough time in my life, but how the timing was absolutely perfect. It was all of God. So the other thing that helps me is we have this mess in our heads, and, you know, what do you do with that? You can totally unload it on God. Um, It's kind of funny. I had twice in this last week, God's got a sense of humor, um, where I said some negative words, and they came back to bite me. And... um, But the negative words that I give to God, the raw part of me, you know, God just takes it in, takes that load off of me. Um, He's good. He's gracious. He can handle it. He's bigger than that. And, um, you know, those negative words do sometimes cause me to reflect on, okay, why did I have such emotional response? Was there an idol in my life that I was working through? So, yeah. But that's just very helpful to know you can bring it to God and completely unload all those negative words, those negative thoughts. Um, And one example in my life where I've done a lot of that is um, Steve and I have a son with mental illness, and he's in and out of our house on a regular basis. Um, He can cause a lot of chaos, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, uh, the suffering that he struggles with. And um, homelessness, he struggled with. Um, so we're always trying to discern uh, what God's doing and what, what our responsibility is, how we are to respond. Um, but there's been so many raw times in those situations where I have just given it all to God. Um, life, death, you know, you never knew what was going to happen with him. I totally had to give it to God. And the peace that comes from that is amazing. Um, but it's a process. <laughs> Another thing I find really helpful for myself, you know, and there's many ways that you guys might find to, besides what I have to say, but uh, pray scripture. So I'll pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, pray Psalms. This year I have been in the Psalms and I've just been sitting in the Psalms. I'll be in a Psalm for a week even, and I'm just praying it and listening to God. And every day, God reveals something different to me out of that same psalm I read yesterday. Um, It's just sweet, very sweet. Um, So I wanted to read a little bit, just some verses from Psalm 103, because that's one that came to mind to me of what brings me from the mess in my head to praise. Um, So it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And this is something so important. I have to talk to myself. I have to remind myself. I put my name in there. Praise the Lord, Jill. Um, All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. might not be how you think he's going to heal, but he does work. 
um, redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Um, it goes on, God's compassionate, gracious. And when I look at a psalm like that, I kind of pick out, you know, I can pray those words directly as they're written back to God. Um, I can, I journal, I make a list, and I thank God for all his benefits. He forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns me with love and compassion, he satisfies. But I also kind of journal and look at, you know, our job. What's my job, God? So I have to remember, I'm dust. I'm a sinner. Um, the psalm tells me to fear God. Remember, I'm temporary. Uh, I'm to keep his covenant. I'm to remember him, to obey him, to do his bidding, obey his word. So it just is so meaningful to me to sit in a psalm like that and to pray it. Um, another thing I find really helpful is to play the piano. Um, it's just a part of worship for me if I take the time to do it. Um, songs, uh, last week, Abby led us in one of the songs I love to sing when I'm in a hard spot, and that is, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek, and when my eyes... When your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. It just helps me to focus on God and not focusing on God for what he's going to give me, you know, the Santa Claus, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. It's that relationship. Jesus, you are beautiful. And just to sit in that relationship um, and have that focus. Um, for me, I've really found in the moments of chaos that time has been... I have to remind myself about time because I can be in a really hard spot when something happens and I have to remind myself in 24 hours, I'm gonna feel better. My emotions are raw right now, but I'm gonna feel better. Um, just give it a day or two. So that really helps me to get through that tough day. Um, this week I had it, another thing I do is I ask others to pray for me. So if you're in a house church, uh, if you're, I'm in a discipleship group on Wednesday mornings, um, you could have the elders pray for you, but sometimes you just need that other people to come around you. Um, I had a, a couple rough days at work this week. Some things that really caused me to be teary and under a cloud on Monday and Tuesday. And so by Wednesday, by the time I got to my Bible study group, I was just like, you ladies need to pray for me. And they right away came around and prayed, and the weepiness was gone. You know, it just really helped um, helped me through working through that this week. And I still had the situations at work. I still had to go to work on Friday was my next day of work, and I still had to deal with those tough situations. But I had a peace that God gave me through that time of prayer. Um, another thing that helps me is to take the long view. Um, I wanted to read James 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And it goes on to talk about per perseverance. Um, it gives you maturity, um, things we might not long for. Um, 
But we have to take the long view, God's view, of what God's working in our lives. And I think of that with our son, Kevin. He's autistic, and he's cognitively impaired. And he, um, he was really hard to raise from age, I don't know, two to 16, I'm just guessing. Um, just totally different way to parent him. And um, he's turned into just this beautiful young man. <laughs> he's delightful. He still has his moments, as we all do, but he's just, he's kind of like the glue in our family now. And <laughs> I used to think when we were raising him and all the things that we went through with him that he ruined our family, but he didn't. <laughs> God was forming us. So we have to take that long view. What is God doing? So I feel like prayer is a labor, it's a work, it's a choice, but it can be a new birth. Um, it can bring us closer to God, to trusting, no matter what my circumstances, and so that can bring me from a point of praise, prayer to praise to thanksgiving, even when I don't feel like it. There's uh, one song that's really special to me um, that we're going to here next. And if you know the words, sing along. Um, it's Aaron Keys and um, it's Sovereign Over Us. It's a song that I first heard when Steve and I were in a church in Chicago and they played it often. And I just really love it. And there's uh, the last time our youngest son Mike was home with us and we had a really tough day. I played that song like 20 times, but it really, really did help me. So I just wanted to share it with you. Um, before Kathy and Jack come up. down in endless grace 
Okay, we want to just to get this planted in us and give us time to process it. We want to get into smaller groups of however many, six to ten people. Um, just kind of cluster up. And then Dennis has some questions which will be on the board. Um, just look through the questions, pick one or two or whatever, and just kind of talk through it together. Um, listen to each other in your hearts. Um, pray for those who may want prayer. Um, just to process this thinking and changing our minds and our focus into the kingdom of heaven. So um, we encourage you to do that. I think he'll get the questions up shortly. So you can pick people you're totally comfortable with if you want. That may be easier to share. So, um, yeah, let's gather up in a group. Start moving towards prayer as a group <laughs> to wrap up. And then we're going to move into communion.
Okay, um, I want to share a couple, uh, couple verses from Ephesians 1, um, starting at verse 7. And this is from the message. It says, Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set, out, he set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. So I've heard the word abundantly a couple times this morning already. Um, I think God wants us to live an abundantly free life. And um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. Um, I don't know about you, but... uh, in ages past, communion was always this very scary thing for me. Um, but today, it's like I am so excited to take communion. I'm just so excited. I mean, praise God um, that we are alive in Him. Okay, and it's only what took place on that cross—the blood that was shed for us, the body that was broken—is for us. And he, asks us to remember. Remember. So remember where you were and remember where you are now. Because I believe we can all say we're in a better place now than we were before. Um, Not that it doesn't change circumstances, but we are in a better place and we're heading to a much, much better place, but we're living there now. So let's, let's, let's be free and live there. Um, Bob and Tony are going to be on this side with um, communion by intinction. There is gluten-free wafers in the basket as well as bread. And there's also the cups with the little wafer if you'd prefer to do that. Um, Jack and I will be on this side. Um, Just want you all to just take a minute and just get your heart and mind focused. And as soon as you're ready, then come on up and take communion. 